Hi, my name is Nikki, and welcome to Quick Picks, a reader's advisory podcast for all kinds of media available at the library. If you want suggestions on what to try next, we're here to help. For months, if not years, Tana's been wanting to do an episode on memoirs, specifically on memoirs by non-famous people, and today we're going to do it. Hello, Tana. Welcome back. Hello. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm glad we've made your dreams come true. Yes, you did. You did. There's so many fascinating people out there. We need to explore and find out what they've done. Yeah. So I'll let you go ahead and you can start wherever you'd like with your choices. All right. I'm going to start with The Girl Who Smiled Beads. It's a story of war and what comes after. What I loved about this book was that they ended up in Chicago. So it was a nice tie-in to to our life. Um, and also the girls that were in here were on the Oprah show in 2006. So I thought that was kind of fun. That's not where their life started. Their life started in Rwanda during the Rwandan massacre. Yuck. So a lot of the story is talking about uh, their family and how they got out. They spent um, six years trying to get out of Africa. So a lot of the story is very challenging, just the conditions that they lived in and things like that. And then they got to Chicago and everybody thought that they should just be so excited that they were here. And it was much more of a challenge for them to adjust to this life than than people thought it would be. I think probably if someone was coming and I was going to take them into my house, I would just bombard them with like, this is what we do here. And I think that's kind of what happened where these, this girl was like, but I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a, a cultural difference that they weren't anticipating being a problem. Sure. But great story. Like I said, it's in Chicago. So that's always kind of fun for me. Um, My next one is I guess I haven't learned that yet. And this is by Shauna Nyquist. And this is also has kind of a Chicago tie. Um, her father, she doesn't say in the book. She doesn't say like where he is or what has happened. But she is from this area of Chicagoland. And her father was a preacher and something has happened that has made her question her faith and her upbringing and everything she thinks she's always known. So her and her husband pack up their house and move to an apartment in New York City. Like fresh start, do over. So it's it's about her and how she kind of figures out how to move forward. She said she has to unlearn some of the things that she learned and then kind of trying to find a new spot to go forward from. So I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. and harder than I think it sounds. Like to just oh. be able to say, all right, I don't believe this anymore. Okay, so then what do you believe now? So, yeah. you know, I think those transitions were hard for her. I thought it was a really interesting story. It's built as a memoir, but you can also find it in religion. Because okay. a lot of her transformation is faith-based, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting as well. Sure. Okay, then I went down 
the graphic novel rabbit hole. <laughs> I have um, only four with me. I read about five or six, and I had about four more to choose from at home. I love graphic novels. I think they're very fun. I like how they tell a story. Or maybe if I would have seen this as a book, I would have been, yeah. But seeing it as a graphic novel was just very fun. Sure. So this first one was Almost American Girl. We have it as a J-graphic novel, but I think anyone could read it. Obviously, I did read it. <laughs> it is about a girl who is from Korea, and her mom packs her up and brings her to Alabama. Oh, wow. And then they stay in Alabama, and it's very interesting, her life from Korea to here and just the different things and how she looks different from anyone, she talks different from everyone, she has no background here. And and then as time goes on, you kind of get some of the backstory a little bit, and then her mom and her move again and figure out kind of how to live life in the United States. I thought it was very good. Um, the author's name is Robin Ha, and she is a cartoonist now, which seems about right. I detect a theme here. Yeah. Just Reinvention, um, yes. <laughs> new identity, culture shock, that kind of thing. Exactly. Like yeah. kind of getting away from what you thought life was supposed to be. So sure. that goes into my next one, which is called We Ate Wonder Bread. <laughs> Didn't we all? It's a memoir of growing up on the west side of Chicago. This is somebody that I had never heard of. Nicole Hollander is her name. She was an internationally syndicated um, comic strip writer. So she had this comic strip called Sylvia, and it ran for 30 years. Right. Okay. I had never heard of it. Wow. This book was a hoot because... (laughs) Obviously, where she got some of her information, her story ideas, um, each chapter. So they bill it as a graphic novel. It's kind of a cross between a book and a graphic novel for me. Mm -hmm. There's some. But there's this one part where her sister... It wants to go outside, and her mom and the neighbor lady are just sitting having coffee, kind of ignoring her. So she goes and tries to get the snowsuit out by herself, and it comes down. She, like, pulls it down, and then she gets the hanger, like, caught in her eye. And the mom just kind of calmly pulls it out and (laughs) sends her outside. It just cracked me up. This was, like... Growing up, mm-hmm. um, she also, the other part that I thought was funny is that her bedroom was the dining room. And then when she oh, went to somebody yeah. else's place and they actually ate in the dining room, she was like, well, what, what is this? <laughs> you don't That's, sleep under the table? I can't. You know what? That, that just brings up all these memories of growing up in Chicago. I had so many friends who didn't have their own bedrooms. They slept either in the front room on the couch or in a bed in some strange room. It, well, it just happened all the time, and I never, I never thought about that. Maybe it's a Chicago thing, but um, I think it's a poverty city life kind of way. Well, there's so many people in a small apartment, and there's gangsters in there, mm-hmm. and there's there's everything. Yeah, well, gambling, all that stuff. I just thought oh, yeah, it was it's Chicago, <laughs> um, and I thought the title was a riot. Yes, <laughs> so that's kind of why I picked it up. I'll have to read that. Um, I'm Still Alive by Roberto Saviano. 
So he's a journalist that wrote Gamora, which is a book that exposed the Neapolitan mafia in Italy. Oh, okay. So he wrote this book, and um, after he wrote it, then he spent the next 15 years trying to survive writing this book because oh. he was constantly under threat, death threats, you know, all those types of things. And eventually he ended up leaving Italy. I thought it was very interesting, you know, just how he was so isolated. He never really had any friends. He didn't have any relationships. He had a brother, but his brother like moved to a different area so that he wouldn't be associated with him to protect himself, sure. which made sense. But it was it was very good. It was uh, something different. I'm not really a big mafia fan, <laughs> but this was just interesting and to know then that he outwitted he out everybody lived that. I mean, there's some interviews in here. It was just it was interesting. It was something mm -hmm. different. I would not have wanted to read a whole book about that. Oh. But for me, the graphic novel was perfect. They you got quickly. the gist of the story and um all good. Poppies of Iraq. Ooh. Which was a story of this girl who grew up in Iraq and France, which was kind of an interesting... Wow. Um, a cartoonist, but her family... Oh, that's really put, toge put together well. I like that. Yeah, so it has it some, looks. like, her cartooning, but then it also has real pictures of what her family looked like, mm -hmm. what um, her life was like in Iraq. Yeah. So, again, just an interesting story of another perspective of an area that sure. I've never been to. I don't know that much about. Um, and how she kind of also didn't know where she fit. So she's yeah. French and Iraqi in Iraq, so she doesn't fit really there. And then she goes to France, and she doesn't really quite fit there. So it was just the story of her life. Wow. Interesting one. Mm -hmm. Okay, my last one is called Ducks. Two years in the oil sands, and this is actually what started me on this rabbit hole. Kate Beaton um, is now a New York Times cartoonist, but before she made it to the big time, so to speak, she uh, graduated from college in Canada, and she's from Breton or Breton. I'm not sure how you pronounce the name of the area. But she needed a job. She wasn't finding one. So she started working in the oil fields of Alberta. So she went west. And um, she needed to pay off these debts. So this book talked about her life as one of the only women in this oil camp. Wow. So, you know, you can think about what might happen as far as she works in the warehouse so they're like well do you even know what that is and you know just kind of those little digs all along so she talks a lot about that um she talks about harassment and how even men harassed other men or you know just the whole dynamic of living somewhere that was isolated where you didn't have a lot of outside influence right and then she just said trauma was an everyday occurrence so it was, again, I could read it as a graphic novel because it had the pictures and it wasn't a lot of text. So as a 
as a heavy topic. Right. It was manageable. I thought it was very well done. I I loved all of these, mm-hmm. and now I will probably continue down this road. But <laughs> um, hopefully, these are some ideas of memoirs about people in places that we just don't really know anything about. And right. Hopefully, yeah. you'll be able to dive into something of your own. Yeah, it's not just famous people who have stories to tell. Exactly. Exactly. So let's hear what you have. Um. Well. First, I have Educated by Tara Westover, which I think everybody's heard of at this point. You recommended it to me. So it's about a survivalist family in the mountains of Idaho. Yes, Idaho. And they're completely against most modern tenets like school and medicine and banks and most laws. They didn't like any of that stuff. Um, they they farmed and they had a scrapyard and the mom was a midwife and an herbalist and they were kind of extremists in every sense of the word, uh, politically and religiously and all of that stuff. And the kids grew up without educations. Mm -hmm. So Tara took it upon herself to tutor herself. And then she eventually got into BYU and it's about a little bit of the culture shock having no I no background in anything history related and then going into a large classroom and them talking about the Holocaust and she doesn't know what the word is and what happened and they think she's full of it. Like she's just trying to be a conspiracy theorist and or say it didn't exist. Fun. Or making yes. fun of Or them. making fun of everything. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. That part of the book was like yeah. mind blowing. I hadn't even thought about it, but no. yeah. And she didn't have a birth certificate. Half the kids in her family didn't have birth certificates because they were born in the house. And what a huge difficulty that presents for an adult later in life. Yes. It was it was tough. It was really a difficult thing to read about because you and a, as I was reading it, I kept thinking, Oh wait, this is modern times. I'm yeah, not this, this is isn't nineteen twenty. Right. So the thing that got me was the grandma. Yeah. The grandma so desperately wanted to, A, see those kids. Right. And to, to have any kind of relationship and thinking like as a parent, as you're watching your child make this choice that you see them going down a road that you don't think is going to be positive overall and be able to do nothing I just felt for the grandparents every time they yeah. came up in the book. I was like, oh. and yeah. they tried so hard to be like, but what about this? Mm-hmm. No, we don't right. believe that. Yeah, they were like a gateway to the real world, and yes. the parents didn't want anything to do with them. Exactly. That was sad. Yeah, that was a good one. I liked how in the end, she talked with one of her brothers, and there's a, um, a little extra in the end from her brother, in that all of their memories differ. Mm-hmm. She had a whole different story than her brother did about the exact same events. And I thought that, that was really interesting how we take certain things from things that happen to us and we don't take the same things that the person next to us is taking. Right. So that was funny. And also this book you ruined for me. I'm still bitter <laughs> because <laughs> I got halfway through with it and I said, I'm halfway through. I'm almost done. And and you said, have you gotten to the part where, and 
So my ears didn't hear what you actually said. So I don't know what you actually said. <laughs> but my ears heard where she comes home and they're in the junkyard having an orgy. And you didn't say that because it never happened. But what it made me do was put on my thick skin like I'm prepared for these people. All of these different weird things about them, these extremist ideas. And I'm like, and then there's going to be an orgy too? I was so like, oh my God. And it never happened. And I don't know what you were referring to. But it ruined the second half of the book for me. so sorry. Was that, your fault. was that the junkyard part, though, where she falls and the, she's, like, caught? Maybe. Because that part was pretty awful. <laughs> that was horrible. But in a whole different way than what exactly. you're discussing right now. <laughs> so I was a little bit scarred by the book for something that never happened. Yes. So. <laughs> well, and, like, how I think in that one, too, her sister was kind of on her side. And she was kind of trying to help her sister maybe pull away or see something mm-hmm. and then something happens and her sister goes right back into no mom and dad know exactly what they're talking about and oh, just yeah. being able to see that in a family kind of what you're saying is like everybody has different um, memories of what has happened or different spins on right. what has happened yeah it was an interesting and some one. of it was i think brainwashing too mm-hmm. so yeah it was a, a really fascinating book and what I like about memoirs is obviously it turns out okay because they're writing the book. Yes. So I have to keep telling myself that. I'm like, she's writing the book. She's obviously not dead or at the bottom of the junkyard somewhere. Good point. So, <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read that around the same time that I read Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. And I felt like these two books kind of had something in common in that it was about poverty and it was about socioeconomics and so his story is basically he he has family in Kentucky and he has his mom who is an addict and the grandma and the grandpa in Kentucky no it's mama and papa because mm-hmm. my dad's family was from Kentucky and that's what we called the grands <laughs> it was mama and papa and his basically his grandparents raised him because of the mom yes. and it was just a very interesting read about Kentucky values and living outside of Chicago as well and how the two worlds kind of collide somewhat and how those old-fashioned Kentucky values influenced him in his life to have the beliefs that he had. I wrote in my review, how on earth I came to understand and identify so strongly with a Catholic conservative ex-Marine <laughs> Yale Law alum man? I don't know, but I very much did. <laughs> Part of it is you could see how life would could spiral so quickly yeah. with the loss of one thing. Right. Yeah. And uh, heartbreaking, too, how he, you know, he yearned for his mom. And he had people that that helped him too. Mm-hmm. Like he found, he did find people that, yes. and he worked pretty hard too. He sure did. And just, you know, going places and trying to learn different things and mm-hmm. like how to sit at a table. Wasn't that in this one where he needed to know like what fork he should use when and that kind of stuff yep. that you maybe don't think about that. Exactly. That if you've, you've not, never needed yeah. that, that information is not, not what you need to eat in Kentucky in the hills. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was um, 
how one person can save a drowning person just by helping them out some. And that's, that's kind of what I felt like that book was. So that was one of the few that was written by a man that we're going to talk about today. It seems like we only picked female just, authors. Yeah, That's I fine. I just had one, too. <laughs> Roberto. <laughs> um, there's Brain on Fire by Susanna Cahalan. It looks like Callahan, but it's Cahalan. Don't get it wrong. She's sensitive about it. Um, she's a 24-year-old journalist when the memoir starts. And I don't know. I don't know if you consider it a memoir, if it only is... A month of her life. It's not her the story of her whole life. It's the story of a month of her life. So um, it's the story of how she starts having these brain issues, hallucinations, memory problems, migraines, and all that kind of stuff. And she's misdiagnosed multiple times by her doctor who says she's, quote unquote, partying too much. Oh. They start digging deeper. They think she's bipolar. They think she's schizophrenic. Then she has this grand mal seizure and she ends up in the hospital for a month and they think she's going to die because she just gets more and more intense. She's hallucinating. She's psychotic. She's catatonic. So she's vacillating between violent and, and really out of control and just sitting there staring at the wall. And they finally figured it out what it was. She had this rare form of encephalitis. So it was brain swelling and a, it, oh this condition. It's very rare. And it took one special doctor to look at her and go, something else is going on here. This isn't schizophrenia. So she got really lucky with that. And she's still recovering, but she's back oh. to being a journalist. So that was good. That's interesting. Yeah. Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Uh, this one's been very popular. And I'm not going to talk about the movie because I hated it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the book. The book is about a 26-year-old writer. She's at a low point in her life, and she decides that what she needs to do to help herself get through this and to find herself is to hike the Pacific Crest Trail from California to Washington State. She has impulse control issues. There's some drug use and some detached relationships with men, and she's I think she's getting divorced at the time. So she's going through a rough time and she's got no experience hiking and doing anything like that. So she tackles one of the rougher trails in the United States. I don't know if there's a rougher one, maybe in Alaska, but this one's a rough one. And it's basically the story of her trying to tough it out and get through this trail. And at one point she loses one of her shoes. So she's got to walk with one shoe on, one shoe off until she gets to a place where she can get into town and get more shoes, get another pair of shoes. And so it's like some of the things that challenge her are unbelievable. And she meets all of these quirky characters along the way. It's like the Bill Bryson book. Um, okay. Into the woods, yep. where with the Appalachian Trail, there's all kinds of funny naturey things that happen. I loved this book. I went to the Chicago Travel Convention because she was going to be the keynote speaker, oh. and she got sick, and it had to be over <sighs> Zoom, and I was so mad. <laughs> Darn! But I really wanted to. I really wanted to check her out. Um, she's had a lot of negative criticism of her book because she did this thing with no experience. And those people, they tick me off because 
we all start out with no experience. You know, like it's not like she was hiking the moon. She was hiking on a trail on the West Coast of the U.S. She could have gotten off at any point if it was too much for her. But she kept going and she showed a lot of courage. And that's why the book was spectacular, I thought. So, so I just found that kind of interesting. That is interesting. Recently, I read All That You Leave Behind by Erin Lee Carr. And this one's about a woman in her 20s. She's struggling to find her place in the world. She's struggling with alcoholism. Her father is a recovering alcoholic and her dad dies. And he's the famous New York Times journalist, David Carr. And it's kind of about her struggle with alcohol and the comparison that she has with her dad's struggle with alcohol and all of the different correspondence that they had throughout her 20s, I'd say, like emails, encouraging things that he sent her. Well, most of it was encouraging. There was a little that wasn't so much. (laughs) He was a very temperamental guy. It was all about her destructive behavior, too. Like, she'd get a good job, and then all of a sudden, she'd start drinking and partying, and she couldn't couldn't keep it together. She had a bad reputation. She was having a hard time finding jobs. So eventually, she goes on, and she becomes a documentary filmmaker. Hmm. And now I want to watch her films, because she, she talked all about a couple of them, and I was like, oh, now I need to see that. So... Um, This spurred a conversation with Marina today. I was talking to her about this and I said, you know, I'm really sick of tagging and seeing tags that say strong female protagonist because it seems like there's only those two things. You're wishy-washy and wimpy or you're a strong female protagonist. Like women are in the middle all over the place all the time. I don't like having one tag or no tag and it's like okay they were very strong and they did great things or they just kind of were on the outskirts and didn't do anything spectacular i don't like that no i don't either because strong can mean so many different things too i mean yes and you don't have to be strong every second of the day no thank goodness so so marina came up with this new tag that we're going to use realistic women yeah, that's a better. I love that because it's so much better encompasses the dynamics of what being a woman is and you know all the different things. So, I felt like so in this book Erin Lee Carr, she is not a very likable person, but she's a very realistic person. She's a very realistic woman in, you know, I love this book for that because it felt very real. When I was doing some searching looking for great memoirs by non-famous people. There are lists all over the place. I did not realize this was a thing. So thank you for that, Tana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mary, Mary Carr's book, The Liars Club, came up on list after list after list. And it's from 1995. And I remember reading it back then and going, this book kicks butt. I love this book. But I don't remember anything else about it. So I'm going to have to reread it because it's just, it's withstood the test of time. Great writing, sharp, witty, all kinds of great stuff about it. And I don't remember it. So (laughs) now I need to reread that. I've already talked about In a Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado, about her life in in an abusive lesbian relationship and how she got out of it. So that was a little unique. There's also The Dirty Life by Kristen Campbell. And it's about... 
a woman and her boyfriend who quit their city jobs and moved to a farm. They go to this farm and they're going to turn it into their lifestyle and change everything. And then they decide to get it into create, they create a CSA and they're producing all of this stuff. And it's all about like the horses and the cows. And it was so fascinating. I wanted to be a farmer. (laughs) That's what happens to me when I read a book. I want to be there. And I can't imagine what, what their friends and everybody (laughs) thought, like, you're going to do what? They all come (laughs) out for the wedding. Oh, I loved for the wedding. I don't know how this all worked out, but she said she's trying to run a farm and she's trying to plan a wedding and she's trying to get all this stuff done and it's not working out. And her front lawn is just all tall grass. And that's where people are going to be sitting in like 48 hours. How is this going to work out? So she decides to move the cow pasture to right next to her house. And she wakes up the next day and there's a cow looking at her through her bedroom window. And the, the grass is gone. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, she worked it out. I just thought that was funny. No mention of cow patties, but... but you know, <laughs> those are easy to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> so that was The Dirty Life. And the last one that I have, I'm not really going to go into detail about it, but it was also a graphic novel memoir by David Small called Stitches. And it's about a sickly young boy with respiratory issues whose dad is a doctor and he uses radiation and x-rays thinking that he's helping his son and treating him. And within a few years, he's developed these horrible cancer problems. It was a really, it's a really tough book, but I, I found that the graphic novel made it a little bit easier just because it was kind of cartoony and it made you look at it in a little bit of a different with a different mindset, I'd say. I think graphic novels make a lot of these way more approachable. I do too. And I love that it gives artists an opportunity to showcase their life story and their techniques. That your your graphic novel by the lady who wrote Sylvia doesn't look anything like the comics. No. She it's that's that was not her only way of drawing. <laughs> exactly. No, it's and I um, started on graphic novels years ago with Mouse, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a very popular, which would be a memoir as well. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was much not easier, but more palatable to read about the Holocaust and this family's life trying to survive it as a graphic novel yeah. where it wasn't quite as daunting. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was mice. It was yes. pigs and mice. It's a little different, but you're right. That was, I think, the start for me as well. And that is, to this day, it's one of those books that gets assigned by the schools for kids to read, mm-hmm. and it's also challenged yes. all over the place. So, yeah, yeah if, some of these are really powerful. And if you're not sure about graphic novels, I would um, suggest doing a memoir one. It's mm-hmm. kind of a nice, it's not... I'm not a huge fan of the superhero kind. I love the yeah. the memoir the drawings. Type. Yeah. It's really just drawings. It's an yes. illustrated book. It's not necessarily in the little boxes with the little thought bubbles. Right. It's not like that. It's just right. illustrated. Exactly. Yeah. Good choices. Yeah. So how was your your final, your dream come true? Your... Yes, I was so excited. <laughs> I think we should do it again in about six months, nine months. <laughs> well, yes, you've got Because me there will be so many more. Yeah. I mean, every time they come into the library, I'm like, ooh, this would be a good one. Yeah. We could try this one. Sure. Yeah, it's fun. And hopefully we gave some, some people different ideas. Yeah. You don't have to just read about Anna Kendrick or Amy Poehler or... Harry, Harry, (laughs) 
Will Smith. <laughs> right. There's a lot of other interesting people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes more so yes, to me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us and for this great topic. I really enjoyed this a lot. Of course. It's always fun. And that brings this episode of Quick Picks to a close. We hope you join us next time for more suggestions in different genres and maybe different media. My name is Nikki, and Quick Picks is coming to you from the Round Lake Area Public Library in Round Lake, Illinois. The end.